0: so wonderful to have amazing stories right here in our midst. Uh, We were just talking this last week about how enjoyable it is to hear the stories of people that are here. And as David walks up here and puts down this uh, table, it's just a fascinating story about a young man on a journey who really lost his way. And uh, God began to draw his heart back to him was out of state, his father sitting right beside him began to pray and say, Lord, would you just draw my son's heart back to you? And uh, it was just a short time after that, uh, David just started walking with the Lord and calling his dad, moved here, has been a part of our uh, our church family and now helping in a variety of ways with the team. So I just want to say, David, uh, God bless you. We love you very much. Thankful for you. person's story is important. God's worked hard to build that story. You ought to be willing to share it, even if you find that it's uncomfortable to share that sometime. And that's why we just try to really bear the authenticity uh, of our humanity uh, in in so many respects, as we just um, often will celebrate. I'll never forget when uh, the governor of the state of Oklahoma was sitting on the front row, and uh, it was great to have him here. And we all applauded, and, and he waved, and, and, and he's a good friend of ours, and, and I don't mean this as a negative to him at all, but I found it really curious that that morning, then we shifted over, and we talked about somebody who had come out of some of the craziest drug background, homeless, uh, serving the Lord. I think it was you, wasn't it, Brad? You celebrated Brad's uh, story that day, and uh, and. And everybody stood and gave Brad, or the Lord, through Brad, a standing ovation. And the governor stood and did that. I mean, it was just so awesome. You know, the governor didn't get the standing O, but Jesus sure did. And so, uh, again, no shot to any, you know, I'm not making a political statement in any direction. Uh, but I just, we need to lift up the name of Jesus as our number one concern. <laughs> it always needs to be our number one concern in, in worship, in the Word, uh, but in our everyday lives. And so uh, we're just asking the Lord to help us with that. So, so glad you're here. Good to see you this morning. Welcome online. Welcome Destiny Table, in New York. Um, we're just continuing to explore all that the Lord has in store, in the way His kingdom is reaching through our surrendered, available lives in every direction and many, many uh, avenues. So, you know, it was really wild. But every year we focused in on a New Year's revelation rather than a New Year's resolution. And um, in all the years we've been doing this, which is a number of them now, uh, we always at our uh, celebration, appreciation night, the first Wednesday in December for everyone who serves, who carries a table up on the platform or is behind a camera or greets or works in kids ministry or is part of the worship team or leads a community group or whatever uh, whatever that may be, we celebrate you and we have a big banquet and it's a great night and we welcome new Uh, Family, church family members in that night, and our elders lay hands and commission them. uh, And we just believe for supernatural impartation. It's a wonderful evening. And on that night, we always then announce uh, in that smaller forum, rather than our full congregational family, for those that are serving to hear, first and foremost, what the New Year's revelation will be in the coming year. Well, this year, I just felt the Lord kept prompting over and over our staff, our team, our elders. We just kept having interaction about this And um, I just knew the Lord was saying to introduce this well in advance. And so the theme for 2023 is deeper. And we're just exploring, uh, I believe, just tilling up the ground a little bit for what the Lord desires to do in the coming year. And this year, our New Year's revelation was everyone. Look around Everyone, everybody you know, everyone you work with, everyone is created for abundant life. And the problem is we've so defined abundant life by worldly standards, we don't even know what that means. And so we're exploring what that looks like. And guess what? When you go deeper in Christ, you actually see a greater clarity of what that's all about. So here we are on this journey to go deeper in the Lord, and we're discovering that the eternal narrative of God actually existed before we were ever born. And how many of you know God had you in mind before he formed you in your mother's womb? And we're actually a part of the eternal narrative of God. And in looking at that, we realize... We were actually born to experience the presence of God in this Garden of Eden environment. And that's still perpetuating today. God's inviting us into this place of experiencing His presence as our way of life. And when we start to experience God the way we were originally designed to do so, it's in that place that we learn what friendship with our Heavenly Father is all about. And it's also in that place that we learn it is not good for man to be alone. And then we start to see not only are we joined with God, but we recognize him as our father. That then makes us all family. And there's a joining of our hearts and a joining of our lives for the eternal purposes of God to actually be expressed in who we all are and so out of that then these deep meaningful friendships are born and from those connections we learn a greater strength that starts to happen how many of you know iron sharpens iron do you have those friends in your life who bring out the best in you i mean those are the type of people that god wants you to run with you got the same mission you're serving the heart of god the cross of jesus christ is at the center of your life My best life the world has to offer is actually not the center of God's kingdom. I don't know if you understand that, but his son died on a cross. That's at the center of the kingdom. So the sacrificial nature of Christ begins to be awakened within our lives, our conversations, our interactions. We begin to be edified, built up, strengthened, and encouraged, mobilized, empowered, activated, inspired, All those things. And I want you to know you were actually born to build an ark. And whatever that ark is in your life, it will help or maybe even rescue others. But this is all part of the eternal narrative of God. We're going to land there today in this progression of understanding the eternal narrative of God. And then next week, I'm so excited about it. I was praying this morning, trying to pray for this week. And the Lord uh, just kept on showing me more about next week. I think he's teasing me, messing with me just a little bit. He's a funny father that way sometimes. You need to just understand God wants to really have an interactive relationship with all of us. That's just the way he is. And um, next week, we're going to talk about that ladder experience wherever we, ever we go, no matter what your circumstances have been. I don't know if you know, but Jacob's ladder actually took place after a very low place in Jacob's life. And no matter where you are, God wants you to encounter him in such a way that you begin to realize, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I did not even know it. And those are the words of Jacob. And everywhere you go, workplace, home, here we are at church, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I really want us to know it. That's why we're trying to pause and reflect and take a little bit of time and not just have such a polished start-to-finish product. That's why at the conclusion of the message today... Before we uh, conclude with worship, we're just going to sit and pause and reflect in the presence of the Lord. And I encourage you: pay attention to what the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you in these moments of breaking bread in the Word. You were born to build an ark. Do you believe that? We're going to be looking out of um, the Book of Ephesians today. So, if you want to turn in your Bibles, there. Our marriage retreat weekend is this weekend, and we've sent a message out asking everybody to please bring your Bibles. Uh, There's a reason we'll have you there. All married couples that night in the hotel will have the Bible between the two of them in the bed. That's just a joke. I want us to take a look out of Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. 10. And I'm going to, we're going to read three verses. Normally, what you hear when you hear Ephesians 2.8 is two verses. But contextually, something is spoken and revealed that I've never heard anybody when they speak on the grace of God and the faith and, you know, saved by grace through faith we will read, I've never heard anybody speak on that, that they actually included contextually what I think is such a capstone verse to follow. So let's look at what's so commonly understood and read when we talk about this, for it is by grace you have been saved. Can I just hear somebody say amen? Aren't you thankful (laughs) for the grace of God? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now this is great. I want you to know it is really good news that you don't have to work your way into heaven. Aren't you glad? Salvation is available through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is the only avenue to the Father. Let the records show in a day where there's a lot of confusion about theology. We are not confused about this topic. Jesus is Lord. Come on, let's all celebrate and thank God for that truth. Not many people are speaking on the topic of heaven and hell, but we need to understand heaven and hell are really real. And Jesus came to spare us from this eternal separation from God and deliver us into eternal connection and relationship with God and God's family. And we want to share the love and the life of Christ for others to come to the knowledge of Christ saved by grace through faith. It's a beautiful reality. But here's the problem. We take that verse and we just extract out of it not by works. And then we're so relieved that we don't have to work to get into heaven that we wind up undervaluing works in general. And if you look at the very next verse, it's kind of shocking because we've let this speak so much about how it's not about works. But then the very next verse, I'm going to read 8 and 9 again just so we get it contextually. And as I read it. We had a, our teaching team had a conversation this last week and I just want you to understand we're learning this we're figuring this out. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way so no no judgment in any direction right. Uh, we'll just let the Lord invite all of us deeper but this last week we just said you know there's a difference between finding a few verses and building a message and point to verses. There's a difference between that and actually finding the voice of Scripture. And we're trying to sort through how to bring that more effectively. But when I'm reading Scripture, I want to just make sure we're paying attention to hear the voice of the Word, the voice of the Lord that exists in His Word itself. 12 Bible says, you don't need a man to teach you, you need my anointing. And so, Father, when we're exploring this together and just looking in your Word, I pray we would understand the incredible treasure that we so often just tread over lightly and move past quickly to get to humorous stories and TED Talk style sermons that seem to entertain and produce something surface, when you're desiring for us to explore the eternal wisdom of God that actually is opened from these ancient wells that existed in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord, bring that into the modern-day church that we might truly recognize the power of heaven invading earth through our surrendered, available lives in Jesus' mighty name. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What? Not by works, but we're created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, created by God to do good works that God actually purposed before we ever existed to take place. I was talking with our two daughters on the drive-in this morning and we were just discussing our wiring and our mechanism and, and, uh, and Faith actually started to point out how Tracy and I are different in the way we function, in the way we look at things. And Tracy's extremely analytical in the way. When you talk to her about an idea, she will listen to the idea with the, with, with the thought pattern in mind of how to, in a sense, disassemble the idea, reassemble the idea and make it a better idea. It's just her gift. And then uh, when you talk to me about an idea, I'm thinking about how I can encourage you in the idea because I'm an exhortational guy. I'm not going to think through all your details. That's a bunch of nonsense, (laughs) right? I mean, we're just two totally different Setups, and that, and then I said, "Well, it kind of makes sense because I'm the preacher up here saying go for it, and she's the lawyer who's hearing people's, you know, situations in her field of elder law, disassembling and reassembling." And then I, and then I changed my language. I said, "Well, it doesn't make sense. That's what we do because we're wired that way. It makes sense that a person's gift makes room for them, and when you start to understand who you are, it starts to be expressed out of that gift, and that then starts to help you discover what your lane is all about." And I just want to say, stay in your lane. Don't look to other people, their gifts, and start thinking you should be them. God made you uniquely you. Don't spend your life trying to be a copy when he actually designed you to be original. Discover what's in you and let that emerge and become everything God's called you to be. This is the work. Like he created you with works specifically in mind. Not only did he create you with works in mind, he designed you with the capacity to unlock the ability to do the work. It's there. So works are pretty important. Would you agree? They take second place to salvation, but works are pretty important. But it is interesting we are going to face judgment with God. Again, something people don't like to talk about in today's world, but it's a reality of Scripture, and we believe all Scripture is profitable for teaching. And so we are going to face the judgment. How many you know that's true? In fact, the Bible says we're going to face two judgments. Did you know this? The first judgment is the one that gets all the press, and, and kind of rightfully so, because this is the issue of eternity, and you can find this on the blog. I'm not going to go into all of it today, uh, but, but those details are on there and some other things that you're going to look at, but John chapter 5, verse 24, speaks of the judgment of salvation. This is the great white throne of judgment. This is where we're going to stand before God, and you're not going to be able to claim works. You're going to have to declare the blood of Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith, and this is that first judgment of salvation, but then there is another judgment the Bible talks about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and it's the judgment of works. Did you know this? And in the judgment of works, you can't claim grace, and in the judgment of grace, you can't claim works because both work together, and faith without works is dead. And so we've got to figure this thing out, not live our lives just spiritually minded, focusing on you know, the spiritual element of things. Sometimes we got to get practical and make a difference in the lives of people around us. And that's why our, our Pin central verse for the course of the next, whatever it will be, 14 months is Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Know, be, do. Those who know their God, this is intimately knowing God. Those who know their God, they will be strong out of knowing God and intimately walking with God. Great strength comes. God strengthens you with power through Christ in your inner being. Do you understand that? This is an important reality that we understand. We will know our God. We will be strong. And then what will happen? Phenomenal works will break forth. We will do great exploits. Those people who know their God, they will be strong and carry out or do great exploits of God's kingdom being established in the earth. Being strong and doing great exploits speaks of our call to live fruitful lives. And I want to say this loud and clear. I want to make sure we understand it. Because we live in a society where we have bought into allowing our ambition to outrun our anointing. We live in a society where we have bought in to allowing our ambition to outrun our anointing, and we're just running ahead to accomplish things because we can accomplish them, whether we even realize if the Lord is telling us to do it or not many times. We've built entire religious empires, especially in the Western world, and it centers around so many things other than really centering around the presence of God, the cross of Christ, and the deeper reality of the love that God reached us with in the first place. So understand this. We have no true ability to be fruitful. Just, if we can just pay attention. We have no true ability to be fruitful without the deep and rich love union with the Father he has called us to possess. And we are in a society that has so much activity that neglects productivity in terms of kingdom advancement. And the Lord's straightening this out. He's convicting me terribly. I, I, I get tired of it sometimes. <laughs> but he doesn't care. How I many you know, he wants to straighten us out. I, I, I'm frustrated with finding out how ugly I am. I mean, it takes just a moment of emotional reaction. And all of a sudden, I see the ugliness of something God wants to deal with. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, come on, man. I thought I was beyond that. And he's like, you're crazy. You're not beyond that. Okay, so God's called us to, out of a loving relationship with him, start to develop a compassion for people around us. And again, then your mechanism activity, that which is stirring in you, different stages, different seasons of life, you're gifted and wired different functions i mean it's all through ages and stages of exploring and discovering. no matter what age you are there's a great work that god has in store for you to to uh, to embark on in this next season can i get an amen for you personally in your life this is really important for you to understand not just for you but it also is important for you to understand for your children. We love, serve, and give to express God's kingdom in the earth. That's why we do what we do. I I don't know what your background was. A few of you I do know. How many of you know people who know you can't believe who you were and people who knew you can't believe who you are when Jesus Christ gets a hold of your life? I mean, just something transforms about who you are, and it is our transformed lives that actually are the evidence that God's kingdom exists in the earth. We overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It's important that we celebrate the stories of transformation as a declaration of evidence in the face of the enemy that tries to make people think God isn't real. I know some of you, and if people met you before you are transformed now, they would believe in God now that who you are who you are. I mean, it's kind of wild to think about some of this. And and I'm in that category as well. So this is significant that we would understand God's kingdom being expressed in the earth through our sacrificial lives. And, And let's just be clear again. Just biblical stuff we need to come back and look at over and over. Sacrificial living And sacrificial giving has always been a part of God's plan for worship of humanity, worshiping God in the earth. You do understand that. The whole idea of the tithe isn't something that can just be squared away as the law because it happened before the law ever came when Abram tithed to Melchizedek. It wasn't the law. The law only reinforced what he knew as an expression of worship. And then Jesus came after the law saying you shouldn't neglect the matter of the tithe. Why would he say that if it was only in the law? I'm not trying to teach on or speak on tithing today, but we need to understand the sacrificial living and giving has always been a part and continues is used to be a part of the way we worship the Lord our God, and it unlocks something of God's kingdom, not only in the lives of people around you, but it unlocks something in you. There is something of materialism that is broken off of our lives when we come face to face with the reality of increase uh, over and over and over repeatedly in our lives. And Tracy and I, she's warned me not to talk about how many years we've been married because she's starting to feel like that's too many years to admit. Um, Not because she's been married to me that long, because that's been a joy, hasn't it, honey? (laughs) But because she doesn't want people to think that, you know, we're old or anything. But uh, when we first got married, it was just a non negotiable. We just said, we're never going to not bring the first fruits before the Lord. And in all of our years of marriage, Uh, We've just honored the Lord in that way. And man, we're blessed because of it. But guess what? My children's children are blessed because of it. I mean, it's it's just important that we understand the way we live our lives actually is making an impact in a generation beyond a generation that we can see in this moment in time. So I encourage you, you know, we don't pass buckets. We have giving stations. I would encourage you, text GIVE to the number that is on the screen if you want to figure out kind of that process for us. If you're online, we encourage you. Let's not just, all of us, let's not just be receivers. Let's be contributors to see God's kingdom advance and see what all gets unlocked. Because uh, as we're walking this out, I encourage you, it's important we understand we not just fund it, but we feel it. And, and this is significant. I just This week I've been really reflecting on this a bit. But learning to purpose to feel what he feels when we are expressing an identity or an identification with the sacrificial nature of Christ is a pretty important part of what God's called us to do. So practice being in touch with his heart as you identify with Christ and the sacrifices you make. Pretty simple. Just practice being in touch with his heart as you identify with Christ and the sacrifices you make. Um, I, I know it was a great challenge for me um, a few years ago when Tracy, we were hosting in our home. People were coming over. And, and I just remember I was sitting at the table and I was a little bit grumpy. Anybody ever been a little bit grumpy before? Uh, and so I was a little bit grumpy because I was thinking about all the stuff I really needed to get done. And now uh, Tracy's just commanding me to get the plates out and you know all the things are going on. And so I'm trying to be an obedient husband like the Bible like she says, the Bible tells me to do, but I, I do what, uh, I, I help, and I, you know, I'm getting the plates out, I'm putting the silverware out, and I remember just in that moment, a transaction started happening in my heart, and as I put the glasses out, I just began to say, Lord, as we drink from these cups, may we thirst for something deeper than anything this world has to offer. I pray for this person by name, who'll be sitting here, and, and if they sit somewhere else, it scrambles it up, and the Lord gets confused, but... <laughs> But then I would go to the next one, and I prayed, Lord, as we're eating off of these plates, Lord, let there just be a hunger for bread that nourishes beyond what we can understand in this world. And I began to realize that when I participated in the sacrificial nature of Christ, preparation for those people actually became an intercessory act. I began to feel it. You understand? How many of you... How many of you would say you're guilty of making sacrifices in a grumpy way? Can I just see this happens? I mean, it does, doesn't it? It's like, all right, I'm going to give. All right, I'm going to serve. All right, I love you. (laughs) The Lord really wants to do a work in us. Like, we shouldn't have to grit our teeth to share Christ with others. It should just be this natural, loving other people well And the way you love others well is not going to look like the way I love others well. And the problem is, we try to get people in these evangelistic workshops and get everybody doing the same thing. And the body of Christ will never be a cookie cutter group of people. Just won't. It helps me take a drink when you do that. So thank you for a little applause from time to time. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 starting in verse 17 and this is just such an incredible um, depiction of what I'm talking to you about today Ephesians 4 two chapters beyond to where we were to chapter 14 I'm sorry chapter 4 verses 17 so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do In the futility of their thinking. Let's just pause there for a moment. We are not supposed to live our lives like people who don't know God in the futility of their thinking. That means we would be self absorbed, that when we would produce kind behaviors, we would do it begrudgingly, but it's what we're supposed to do because we want to act like Christians. Just want you to know you should never act like a Christian. It's a wrong teaching to teach anybody to act like a Christian. The world sees right through the act. And what we need to do is be honest when we don't want to love, we don't want to give, we don't want to serve, and then allow the Lord to deal with something deeper at the root that actually uproots those things and takes us more into exploring and experiencing the very nature of Christ. The more we die, the more he lives. That's the way the gospel works. It's not, I'm going to live the most, you know, I'm going to produce the most giving appearance of a life so people around me will see Christ. No, they're going to see Pharisee is what they're going to see. They need to see Jesus. But that only happens when you die to yourself on a deeper level and allow the Holy Spirit to do a great work in your life. None of us have this figured out. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. So don't live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Notice darkness and ignorance is in the same verse because darkness and ignorance come from the same origin of the same word darkness and ignorance light and knowledge that's why we're enlightened with Christ we come into the light of Christ we know the Lord our God and that knowledge of Christ is what awakens that ignorance and darkness light and knowledge understanding God's taking us verse 19 in their ignorance and darkness and being self-absorbed uh, self-absorbed verse 19 They've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. In darkness. They're self-absorbed, living sensual lives. They are indulging in impurity. I I sent a message this morning to a group of pastors that we're in ongoing interaction with and we're all sharpening each other in this group. Uh, And and, and I sent a message and, and I just began to speak. May we move past clever and really experience power. And may we understand our congregations don't need us today to get up and give our best message. They need us to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is desiring to say at any given moment in time. Now let me translate that into your life. What your coworkers need and your family members need and your neighbors need is not for you to make religious presentations all through the course of the week. What they need is for you to die to yourself so Jesus can live through your surrendered available life. And in a moment when you feel like you're so busy, you can't stop and talk to somebody. If the Holy Spirit says, scrap the busy and pay attention, then pay attention because God might be about to do a miracle in that moment. But our busyness causes us to be distracted from the supernatural power of God, especially in a day, and I want to say it again, where we thirst for entertainment because we're neglecting the Holy Spirit. Our overly ambitious imagination is fed well. Because we're not slowing down to pay attention and reflection and prayer and memorization and fasting and, and really learning what it means to be people who pay attention to the Lord our God, our Father. I don't know where I am in this whole message. Verse 19, let's start there again. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed that however is not the way of life you learned I love this now verse 28 is a really interesting verse really has captured my attention over the last year anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer can I get an amen don't steal brethren don't be stealing I mean that, that becomes the man you shouldn't steal But I want you to hear this. This is so wild. It's not about trying not to do what's wrong. It's about devoting yourself to doing what's right. I don't have time to be involved in things I shouldn't be if I discover the work God created me to do and give myself fully to it. You only have enough minutes and hours in the day to do what God has actually designed you to do. And if you are not doing that, you are searching for other ways to distract your soul and fill a need that only God and the work he designed you to do actually is supposed to fulfill. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, listen, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Stop stealing by getting a job, making some money, and helping others that are in need so they don't steal. That's how you address your own thief-like mindset in your life. It's a beautiful reality of the gospel. This is a reversing of the curse into a blessing, Nehemiah chapter 13. It's everything Jesus did on the cross. Being awakened within our surrendered, available lives. Verse thirty-two: Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Helping others is an incredibly important part of helping ourselves. How many times have you heard me say, that? "God wants your life to be awesome"? It's truth. But that truth comes with a trick. God wants your life to be awesome. But he doesn't want you to pursue and chase an awesome life for yourself. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others. And that's what will make your life awesome. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, a king who came out of heaven and saw his equality with God the Father as something he would not use for his own selfish ambition. But he laid that down as he was crucified to the cross and bled out every drop of blood to set the ultimate example that you and I would learn the sacrificial nature of Christ within our own lives. So, you have no idea how helping others transforms that which is in you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Help others and it does something for you. I, I thought about this from a standpoint, of a pastor who was on our team uh, years ago, moved to Atlanta, um, and, and he and his family, Nathan and Renee, and many of you know Nathan and Renee and their four kids, and um, and their their daughter, Aaliyah, she was, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years old and she had a, a really terrible um time with, uh, I forget what the disease is called, but she had a hard time walking. She would fall down often. And they they had to go to Baltimore to do um, this uh, it was a work in in baltimore a therapy and and it was only there and it was the weather was bad and and nathan shared he took Aliyah there and they were in the hotel and and they they went to their first appointment walking and he said she's eight years old she's walking to the the place and she's complaining i want to be back home i want to be in school i want to be with my friends how I many of you could i mean we don't blame her for that right i wouldn't want to be there either but boy she was letting it be known nathan didn't want to be there either but he's trying to be a good dad and come on it'll be okay And he said something powerful happened in her life that first day they went in for therapy and there were other kids in there. And there's this one particular girl who had been swinging on a swing set and the swing set collapsed. She fell forward and the bar hit her on the back of her head just beneath her skull, paralyzing that child from the neck down. And his daughter, Aaliyah, met this girl and realized she had no, no mobility at all. And Leah, Aaliyah suddenly had an appreciation for having more mobility. And she then started helping this girl, paying attention to her in that first day. And Nathan said something happened beyond his wildest ability to be able to explain. Day two, same hotel, same walk, to go see the same therapist. And Aaliyah couldn't wait to get there. This is why. She focused on the suffering of this girl. And I want you to hear this. This is so vitally important that you get this. This is the kingpin of everything I'm saying. When we focus on the suffering of Jesus, we're delivered from our sins. When we focus on the suffering of others, we're delivered from ourselves. The church... Modern-day church of our day has raised up a generation of Christians that seem to have an aversion to anything inconvenient. and Constantly endorsing busyness and distraction as a way of life that God wants to bless. God's not going to bless a distracted life. He's going to get your attention. And if you think he's going to bless your distracted life, then you're going to get mad at God when he's not giving you everything somebody told you he's going to give them. He wants your attention. What could the church offer the world if we actually gave our undivided attention and affection to God? What would we have to offer the world if we slowed everything down and became way more focused on the things that truly matter? What could you offer your world? If you learned the Sabbath is actually about rest, what that looks like in a society that has no concept of that revelation, yet we read about it in Hebrews chapter 4, revelation actually is born from rest. Maybe if you're lacking revelation, it's because you've grown so Busy in so many directions, you've forgotten how to rest in the Lord your God. The less we pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the more we thirst for entertainment. And the more we thirst for entertainment, the more we chase entertainment. And the more we chase entertainment, the more the busier we become, and the busier we become, the less we pay attention to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And the less we pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the more we thirst for more entertainment. Anybody feeling convicted today? I sure am. I'm going to ask you if the worship team would come, and in just a moment we're going to just take some time to listen to what the Lord is saying in the midst of all this. I want to challenge you to build an ark. You've got to start somewhere. And, and, and I'm trying to just give some good tips that will kind of be a framework for you to listen to the Lord and apply some things effectively. But, but listen carefully. Um, if I, I know of a, a situation where a young man had just come off drugs, didn't really know all this stuff, you know, the nice way to do church, went up to the pastor and said, um, I, I, I came to the Christmas program and uh, it was awful. But God convicted me. He said, I don't know who put that program together, but it was awful. He reiterated it was awful. And the pastor said, well, actually I did. (laughs) But you understand what concerns you becomes a clue to your call. Uh, I had somebody in this church when I first became the pastor, and they came and they told me how ridiculous the graphics looked. (laughs) Is this the graphics look bad? Like, do you have a third grader working on that? No, it's actually me. And and what they could do is say, the graphics are so bad in that church. Listen carefully. I'm going to leave that church, and I'm going to go find a church where they have good graphics. But what concerns you is actually a clue to your call. And what you're supposed to do when something captures your attention is to pay attention how the Lord might want to use you then to step into that moment And it's kind of crazy, but just one opportunity of serving can actually open the doorway to your lifelong cause if you will not just be so busy, but pay attention to what concerns you. Listen, don't complain about it. The enemy wants to sift your concerns into complaints and then just keep you sideways. Don't complain about it. Be constructive with it. And it begins to unlock so much in you. So build an ark. I don't know what that looks like for you. I, I do want you to understand that in, in, as a church family, you know, we're building the ark as best we know how. Uh, and, and again, I'm not talking about giving. You just need to understand the concept behind this. As we give as a church family and we help orphans and support orphanages and do the things that we've done over the course of years. And helping mission work and benevolence and widows and people that need help locally in society. Amazing things have happened. And, you know, we've talked about city officials here talking about the vast number of deep, the deepest needs in society that we as a church family are actually meeting right here in the media area. It's really overwhelming to think about. But that's part of building an ark. Wouldn't you agree? And that's a good thing for us to do. Uh, in fact, uh, Katie Baffrey is right here. And um, Katie spearheads something called WizKids. This is one of those things that we, you know, people have seen and recognized. But we go to Crooked Oak Elementary, and we bus in seven-year-old children who primarily, uh, that, that school, very underprivileged area, a lot of underprivileged families there, that school has an 80% dropout rate. Eight out of ten children in the second grade won't graduate high school. How many you know that's a travesty? And I can say, and, and I'm not trying to undermine prayer, but I can say, stretch your hands toward Crooked Oak. We ask the Lord bless. And, and that's a healthy, good thing to do. But faith without works is dead. Faith without getting on a bus, driving to the school, picking up the kids, bringing them here, tutoring them so they learn how to read. You, you understand? It's, we do that. And we need tutors. So I would invite you to pray about and consider this. Um, here's, here's a picture. The first year we did it, I actually uh, wanted to tutor. And that's Lexi on my right shoulder. And that's Lottie on my left shoulder. Lottie was in the second grade at Crooked Oak. And we brought her in. And man, our whole life, our family was enriched. Uh, just by having Lottie there. That's her on the right. She's since graduated high school. She sent me that picture and said, I just want to thank you for tutoring me when I was in grade school. I graduated with honors, and I was so proud of Lottie. So Lottie and Lexi are the same age. And what's beautiful about this is last year, Lexi came to me, and she said, Dad, I want to be a WizKids tutor. And so last year, Lexi and I just say thank you, uh, daughter of ours. We love you for your heart for the Lord. But she became a WizKids tutor. So it's just this great, again, a great story of progression. Some of you might need to consider, this is Thursday, little commercial for you here. Thursday from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock, right here. Many of your jobs will actually pay you because of their um, uh, you know, programs that they have to, to empower society and, and develop community. Look into and consider. And, and Katie, would you mind just standing up real quick right there just so they see who you are? Lovely Katie. We love you and appreciate you, Katie, so much for all your work here. Katie is going to be at the Connect Center right out to the left when you leave, so that you can talk to her about um, helping, because we have way more kids that need to be tutored than we actually have tutors this year, and we want to answer that need. So, these are all great things we do as an organization, as a family, as a ministry, but what about you individually? And I want to just point you to something. I I have no way I can even get into all of this, but as the Lord begins to awaken something in your heart, you need to activate that actionable expression. Because a dream without a strategy is just a fantasy. A dream of making a difference. Well get strategic about that dream and let's truly make a difference. And so on our blog, you'll find this 3D chart and it's gonna pop up and and you won't be able to read it. But you can see the elaborate nature of something that we've put together And this is very simple. You discover, you develop, and you deploy. Discover the dream in my heart. Develop an idea about how to make it happen. And I deploy that into an actionable expression. And then it's a 10-stage progression. These are all questions you ask yourself to help you figure out what God placed in you to change your world. And this progression then will walk you through the process of questions to ask, strategic people to reach out to that will help you see that come to pass. Again, I can't go into all that now, but it's on our blog and that is your action point. I want to challenge you this week. Take some time just to reflect on the questions, that progression, of that 3D model and consider what good works God created you to do and how you might actually answer that. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What is God desiring from you as a result of the gifted life he's given to you? So come on, just open your heart. We're just going to take a few moments and just listen to him. Write anything down you may sense the Lord could be speaking to you in this moment. What concerns you is a clue to your call. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Would you speak to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name? Come on, just listen and pray just for a few moments. Would you uh, stand with me? Let's stand together if you're able. You sense the Lord speaking something, stirring in your heart. It's crazy we actually want to have church in a way that acknowledges God is here. That's exactly what we want to do. Come on, would you just... We want to take that which God's stirring in our hearts and we want to just give it back to him in place of worship. We're just going to take just a couple of minutes of just worshiping the Lord our God and then we'll be dismissed. And um, Our team is available for a meet the team today for anybody that just wants to have a personal connection. But come on, we just stir our hearts. Lord, your word says the people who know their God, they will be strong and they will do great exploits. You have designed us to build an ark Whatever that arc may look like, each of us have a role and responsibility. Some of those are are combined effort arcs. Some of those are individual expression ideas, dreams that need to come as a reality. Lord, help us to discover wherever we are in the mix of all of this, be faithful builders to the very ark of God that will help and in some cases even rescue others in our generation. Thank you, Jesus. You are the ark. You came, you lived, and you died. You rescued all humanity. Our willingness to believe in our heart and confess that Jesus is Lord takes us into this ark of safety. And the very water that drowns those on the outside of the ark rescues those on the inside of the ark, raising it to greater heights. Thank you, Lord. That's who you are. We press into you now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you declare Jesus as Lord of your life, why don't you shout amen as loud as you can. Amen and amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our prayer team is going to step to the back and be available as we just worship for a few more moments before we conclude. It's, It's moments like this that I do feel like I feel a little rushed. The very thing that I'm saying, I just don't want to allow busyness to take control. I know we live in a day where the 59-minute church service is kind of the prevailing featured item in, among the religious. I, I just let's just give it a little bit of space. Would you join in and let's worship? If we can join you and pray about anything, we will take some time and pray into those things. Our worship team's right back here at the back. Please just stay with us for just a few more moments and worship before we're dismissed.